Hello and welcome to the Queer Thesperience. I am your host, Casper Oliver. I use he, him pronouns. I am a bisexual trans man and I am a performer of many kinds, uh, stage, immersion, voice, wherever I can get my grubby little paws, I'm there. And today I have a fantastic guest. I will allow you to introduce yourself. Hello, hello. My name is Socks Whitmore, Socks spelled like the things in your feet. And my pronouns are they, them, theirs. In the arts world, I am just trying to do everything. I am a voice and stage actor, singer, um, lyricist, composer, producer, project manager, writer, all the things. So a real, truly a jack of many trades or a socks of many trades. <laughs> yes. So and I am excited to have you on because you are going to be part of our first uh, two-parter episode where I have two people come on to talk about their very specific experiences within the same topic. And you are one of the first people who actually ever reached out to me on LinkedIn. And so this is, I am very excited to get you on here. And today we are going to be primarily focusing on uh, being non-binary in the uh, casting and audition scene. So this is something that uh, I feel is often overlooked because whenever you hear trans in the casting room, it's usually trans men and trans women uh, or more trans masculine, trans feminine people. So I am very interested to hear uh, your experiences with this. So let's kind of just start off with when did you first get into acting? Wow. Um, I think it was like something that was always calling to me, like from a very early age. I was, I used to make up songs and my dad would record me like just like I was just spouting lyrics. They're probably trash. I haven't looked at them in a hot sec, you know. <laughs> um, but I did community theater. I, the thing is, I went to an arts high school and I auditioned for both for a, as a vocal student and as a musical theater student and I didn't get into the musical theater department because they started with a dance audition and that uh. kills me every time so I ended up going to arts high school for voice so I have a lot of voice training specifically and I've been doing a lot more singing than acting just because that's how life played out but um I think definitely once I got to college I was able to finally take that acting route because when you're in the arts high school you actually can't do cross-disciplinary stuff which is dumb I That's, know yeah like they have the one all school musical but like there's not a drama department that you can join if you're not registered there as an actor or a musical theater actor Oh, so that's... actually going to arts high school made it harder for me to get into acting, which is why when I went to college, I was actually able to start doing that more. Yeah. That's so wild. Like, especially because it's an arts school. They like, talk about really shoving people in boxes, huh? Jeez. So you've been doing this for a while. And how, if you don't mind my asking, um, how long have you known and really embraced your non-binary identity? Yeah, I came out in July of 2018, um, and the few months prior, I had just been kind of wrestling. I was like, something's not right here. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know about non-binary identities till I got to college, because there were no non-binary people in western, suburban, slightly rural Maryland. Right. Um, 
so when I met non-binary people and I was actually like learning myself to use the language and think in new ways and then I started becoming aware of sensations and feelings in myself of dysphoria and this kind of discomfort you know I'd always looked in the mirror and had this thought of like that's not a boy or a girl face and I'd articulated that before and no one the people were just like what are you talking about um and so I came out in July of 2018 and then later later on I kind of sort of snuck in the fact that I'm also ace in there somewhere I was just like oh yeah by the way um, so here's here's this here's this oh and just a little slide under a little more my full my full queer title is pan demi romantic asexual agender slash gender non-conforming human. love it love it yeah, I like words <laughs> words are good and especially in our line in our profession with our voices and our words so uh and how do, how has you realizing that embracing that and coming out how has that affected your experience with auditions and casting absolutely um the very first show that I did after I came out was a show that I wrote haha because when you write shows you can cast yourself um <laughs> the best so I was pl- I, I had we had been working on the show I, I was writing it with my partner in the middle of when I came out and I had already decided I was going to play this lead and this lead character was um, a lesbian guidance counselor. Um, and so I was playing that role and in the fall, cause I was, I was doing this, my I was workshopping the musical at my college. I was discovering that I like, I really wanted there to be a distinction between my character's pronouns and my pronouns. I was like, if you're going to refer to my character, I need you to use the name and be clear that you're talking about the character. And if you're talking to me, you need to, you need to use my pronouns. And that's tough because like a lot of times when you're in a show, your character and you, you just kind of like conversation, you're like referring to some people by their character name, some people by their given name. And it's, it's a hot ass mess. So it was, it was a discovery. Yeah. Oh yeah. I really needed that. And it's important to have that too, because like, as you said, when you're on stage or in a show, it's sometimes so much easier, especially if it's a large cast or if this is the first time you're meeting these people, you know, it's like, oh, what's, what's it, uh, Brenda, and it, like, that's not my name, but that was the character I was playing. I'm like, who the, oh, right, hi, hello, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But when you are trying to find your place within yourself, or even if you know your place within yourself, but your character's pronouns don't align with your own, that can get really dysphoria inducing or just frustrating, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. So after that, uh, what was that show that you wrote though? Tell me a bit about that show that you wrote. Yeah, uh, it was the first musical that I ever wrote and it was a full length show called We Are Here about mental health in high schools. Um, so it followed this guidance counselor who I played named Valerie and these four kids who were each struggling with different things in the mental health end. Um, and the fact that Valerie had come to guidance counseling because of her own traumatic past and her own experience with mental health. But when, when her abuser resurfaced in her life, she was finding that she couldn't be there for the kids and take care of herself and so it's really the whole message is about like you need to put on your own mask before you can help someone else 
Um, but we also use the opportunity to do a lot of research about like what people want when they're in when they're in a crisis mode, like what how what kind of allyship people are looking for. So like, for instance, we, we did a bunch of interviews as part of our research and someone told us that when they're when they're having some kind of breakdown or crisis that they want to be asked about being touched. Like if you like for some people being touched can be trauma related when you're in that crisis mode. And so getting the consent to touch someone when they're in crisis is really important. So then we wrote that into the show and we made a moment where someone was like, can I touch you? That's so good. And that level of research and especially with like going into allyship is that's, that's really cool that you did that. And also just very important that you did that because that's what people should be doing when writing something either outside of their own scope of experiences or even if it's within your scope of experiences, no experience is universal. So that's awesome. I, I will definitely want to plug that later. If there is, is there any way that people can learn more about that musical or not Why, see it online? Matter but... of fact, um, oh. there is a project page on my website. My website is SocksWhitmore.com. Uh, pretty straightforward. And there's a project page for We Are Here the Musical. And on that page, you can listen to some demos of songs from the cast album. And you can watch the workshop performance that we did in February of 2019. Um, it's, it's not going to be the best version of the show because it's definitely receiving edits and other improvements. Um, but you can see what it looked like in its earliest stages. And you can see me performing in my first lead role in a full-length musical because when you write a show, you can do that. <laughs> well, I will, I will put the link down to that in the description or again, just look up on Sock's website because that is exciting. I know what I'm doing after this interview. <laughs> so now when you wrote this and made it, you could cast yourself and kind of handle you and your character portrayal and how you were viewed by the cast for the most part, uh, much more strongly. But how has you being a non-binary performer been either a, I don't want to call it like a, a struggle or whatever, but how has it been a, a thing? You can't see me, but I'm quoting a thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's been a thing. Uh, absolutely. Um, so number one is casting calls. <laughs> Um, I'm a voice actor as like my primary, my favorite medium to be in. Uh, but the voiceover world is so binary. You don't see calls for non-binary voices. It is so, so, so rare. Um, and so a lot of times I'm applying for roles that are labeled female. And I always introduce myself and like, like I use backstage a lot. Um, I just like it aesthetically. <laughs> and they have cover letters. And so in my cover letter, I always open with, Hi, I'm an agender slash gender nonconforming voice actor. That's my opening sentence every time because I need to know that the people I'm working with are going to honor that. Right. I don't have the spoons to put myself in a bunch of situations where I'm going to be misgendered and have to educate people. Like, I just need to know that I need the people who I'm going to work with to be aware of that because I'm not going to, I have limited spoons. Right. In short. Um, then also there is the oh my god getting cis people to understand that you need to cast trans people appropriately so one just getting a trans person in a trans role has already proven to be such a huge struggle 
And if you want to learn more about that, you can just look at all this like Halle Berry and Scarlett Johansson stuff. Like there's so much on the internet that you can enjoy on your own time. Have fun. Um, I've had a couple experiences just like in this past year where people were like, oh, you're trans. Would you like to play this role? And I'm like, sure. What is it? And they're like, it's a trans woman. And I'm like, I'm trans you can't that's not a blanket term you can't just be like oh trans person trans role easy um so that's been a moment (laughs) that i've experienced multiple times recently and it's tough because like not all these a lot of these people mean well because they're trying to cast trans and trans but i have to do the educating and just go down this rabbit hole of like look I can connect you with trans femme people who would be better for this role oh it can be exhausting yeah and just a brief thing it kind of reminds me whenever this is brought up um I have to cut that out uh when I was in college I that was when I finally really got to pursue any higher level of performing and I went to a charter school. I had to make the theater club. So there was like no real options for me previously. I was in a devised theater workshop where we all wrote the scripts, we made the characters, put together the costumes, everything was by the students. And there was one script that had a trans character. Now I wasn't out as a trans man at the time, I was out as non-binary because I was really struggling to fully realize where I was at. Um, And for me personally, being like identifying as non-binary was a really good and necessary step, but that's not the case for everybody, you know, but I was out as trans and there was a trans character and I was a trans man. And originally I had been cast as Nate because I was the only trans person on the cast. And they were like, well, you will play Nate. And especially because it was a coming out story. And not long before we actually started to get to the bare bones of putting together rehearsals and everything, I got recast as Nate's mom. And I play, yeah. Um, And I ended up playing three different moms in the entire show. Um, One of them I made, I made one of the moms and I was like, okay, I want to play this. I want to play her. I'm okay with this. But like when I got recast as Diane, um, it was... It was really hard. <laughs> and if nothing else, at least I was playing the supportive mom. So it was it was an empowering role in the sense that I got to scream at the transphobic dad. So that was kind of like this little cathartic, like, ah, oh, yes. But yeah, no, like it was just this, they, they swooped it aside. And the person who ended up playing my son, her name is Courtney. She was amazing. I, I think that for a college production of a cis person being put in a trans role, she did do all I could have asked her to was she sat with me. She like took me out to get coffee and like talked about it. But like, man, that stung, man, that stung. And as you said, you see that all the time. Like what, what's that movie? The Danish girl, I think it's called. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, um, Eddie remain. Yeah. That's a name. Something it's, I, I it might be, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, you see that all the time where, Trans actors are overlooked, um, or as you said, it's treated like a blanket term of like, oh, you're ex- exactly in your situation. You're trans, play this trans woman. It's like, but I'm not a trans woman. And that, that's another level of invalidating. Um, but so when you've been in the casting 
situation with voice acting. Have you ever been able to play non-binary characters? Yes, I have. Um, and the, my first experience was um, actually someone was looking for queer voice actors specifically for um, a guest role on a fiction podcast. And I applied. And I think that the character might have actually had their pronouns changed to suit me. I'm not entirely sure because they were like kind of trying to decide which of the two guest roles they wanted me to play. Um, and I ended up playing this character named Fran on Elaine's cooking podcast for the soul, which is a post-apocalyptic, like dystopian future is setting, but it's a cooking podcast happening in the middle of the post-apocalypse. Oh, I love it's, that. It's very amusing. It's a cute idea. Um, and I was able, they were looking for more recommendations for people to play the other role. And so my friend, Julie Ouellette, actually ended up playing my my. Uh, my partner in crime in this podcast and then we basically it's like we both were in love with each other and we just like weren't talking about it um it's very adorable um and that was that was a really exciting moment to to play my first non-binary character and then recently I was invited to audition for something that I booked I was invited by Penguin Random House to play a gender fluid narwhal <laughs> oh I love that I know. When I when I found out I booked it, I was like, dreams really do come true. <laughs> and so are you are you still in the process of that or is that like a finished I uh, I wrapped a recording on that earlier this month. Um it's a it's a children's series actually called Narwhal and Jelly, these children's books. And I played Narwhal for all five of the published ones and I'll be brought back whenever there are more written, which is really cool. Oh, that's so exciting. And there are gonna be so many links in the description for this. <laughs> but shameless plugging, shameless plugging. So, so uh, when it's come to, what has been your biggest hurdle with being a non-binary performer with how binary, not just like the world is, but how the, the character creation and just theater and voice acting, just how binary so many of these roles are it can make I can get really sad sometimes that there just aren't enough non-binary roles like the fact that there just aren't that many to begin with just makes me really sad um which is why I'm a writer so that I can write them haha ha. um that's how you do it if you don't see it you make it Exactly. That's definitely, that definitely makes me sad. And like, also I've been trying to look for an agent recently. And when I'm, I'm looking specifically for a voiceover agent first, and a lot of the sites have rosters, they'll show you like their voice actors. And a lot of them are divided by the gender binary. And I'm like, well, I don't want to register with you because I don't want you to put me in a category that I don't belong in. Um, and I found exactly one agency that had a non-binary filter on their roster and then I used it for all their categories and nothing came up. So they had the filter, but they didn't have any of the people. Oh. Okay. I, I know. It's like, I was like really excited and I submitted to them and I haven't heard anything back, which is sad. Um, <laughs> that's really frustrating is just that like the space isn't being made. That I have to always make it for myself, it feels like. And that's exhausting. It's it's liberating in one way but while there is that sense of pride that comes from that it's also exhausting um and that's why 
like for one of the things that got me into podcasts that got me into voice acting besides most people's like video games and anime <laughs> one of the main things that got me into it was welcome to night vale which does have a lot of queer representation when it comes to sexuality and gender and it's my favorite thing about it is it's never treated as a thing it's just oh they're gay oh they're this yes <laughs> That's just, yep, Cecil is in love with Carlos. Duh, we all know this. Where have you been? <laughs> like, and, but one of the things is, is there's not a lot of podcasts like that. And there's more and more being made, but that's the problem is that all of the energy ends up having to go primarily to the queer people themselves. So it's like, well, I guess I got to do everything, <laughs> you know? So... Yeah, um, it's like, I was in this other musical, um, which is, it's a whole another story. I was in this musical called The Bully Problem that was a new musical and was premiering at the Hollywood Fringe last summer. And I got cast very unexpectedly in the role of the sole female bully, um, because it was about bullies versus nerds, and I got cast as the as the bully who infiltrates the nerds because she's a girl so of course she can infiltrate the nerds um and it eventually gets converted into being on the nerd side and joins them in the end it's really cute um and this character's name is charlie and playing charlie was a really interesting experience for me because i think charlie is queer and the author just didn't know it (laughs) um and so i decided canonically that charlie's queer I was just like, well, the, here we are. Um, and the writer of the musical had written in like this very, very subtle sort of implied developing romance between Charlie and one of the one of the nerds who was a guy. And I could see it in the script and I was just like, you know what? No, no. And so the way that I decided to play it is like whenever the guy is trying to appeal to Charlie. Charlie's just like, what, what is this? And I had, I had a um, secret budding romance with one of the girl nerds. Um, and my, my, my co-actor who was playing that part, we, we would like, we decided it together. We were like, yeah, this is happening. Oh, that's always and the so best. just like kind of deciding the characters are queer just because, because not every queer narrative has to be like, oh, I just realized I'm queer or oh my God, it's so hard to be queer. Like not all of them have to be that way. Right. It's like, it's a common narrative for queer people, but not everyone. And it's, oh, what was it, it, it's sometimes just refreshing to see queer people in the same, the same exact situations you would see the, like the cis het characters, whether it's romance or a thriller, like give me a horror movie where a bunch of queer theater kids go on a road trip and they are the ones in the broken down car. Like it doesn't need to be, just put more queer characters out there, please. So that's, that's really cool. And um, with that show that you played Charlie, um, when you kind of decided this budding romance with another one of the uh, actors, did the director know, or was it more like a cast thing? Um, I mentioned it to the director because uh, my my co-star Jaina Sweet was playing the other character, and we kind of had the idea in the middle of a rehearsal, and we told the director, and our director was just like, "Okay, sure, I'm I'm into it, sure." Um, and she just let it happen, 
I mentioned it to the musical's writer, Michael Shapiro, um, because he was, a, he was a major part of the process since it was a new show getting mounted and its first full production. Um, and Michael and I are good friends, but when I told him, he was like, he made a face, you know, he was, he was like, oh, Charlie is queer. I didn't write that. <laughs> He's like, well- a well-meaning cishet man. He he means well, and it was a real joy to work with him. But when I told him that Charlie was queer, he was he was not entirely with me at the time. It's like ah, I was like, well, we'll we'll keep working on it. We'll keep working on it. <laughs> and that's been actually one of the joys with me working with the Murder Mystery Company is all of the characters are like you have like three character traits about them, and that's it. And usually one of the character traits is they're a jerk because they're either a murder victim, so there has to be a reason that they're dying. Or there are murder suspects. There has to be a reason that you're suspecting them. So mm. especially in my troupe, we've taken the scripts. And because the Florida troupe has so many queer people, we're like, okay, so in our 1920s show, um, Brooks is, she's ace 100%. She doesn't want to get married. That's why she's throwing a fit. Her brother is a trans man in the 1920s, which is why he's like hyper masculine. Cause he's gotta, he's gotta seem like a guy, you know, to fit in with the dudes, you know? And we got his head enforcer, Joey, who's totally in love with Junior. Like we, we've just queerified every script. And the owner of the company knows that we do it. And he's like, okay. <laughs> go for it um so that's just the beauty of taking what it's a very lax version of death of the artist or whatever it's like death of the author this character is mine now (laughs) and they are gay as fuck so when it's come to struggling with how i'm really curious to learn more a bit if you have more to share about kind of being non-binary when it comes to voice acting Because one of the main things with voice acting is you are strictly heard. You're not seen. So even if you had someone who was, you know, non binary and you have the quote unquote, they look non binary, quote unquote, like they have that kind of vibe with voice acting, they could, with the voices that they do, be heard for very typically, quote unquote, I'm doing a lot of quotes, not that the listeners can see this, but I'm doing a lot of quotes, doing very feminine or masculine voices and with such a binary industry that it's just a whole other level of erasure for the non-binary performers. When people hear the voice, it's like, oh, that's a woman's voice. It's like, no, or, oh, that's a man's voice. No. Yeah, well... (laughs) I could go on a long, long tangent about how we need to incorporate queer identities into schooling so that people learn growing up to not assume genders. But to answer your question, um, I love voice acting so much. And it brings me joy to do it. And I don't mind playing female identifying characters as much as I mind playing female identifying characters on stage or on screen because with animation or or other voiceover stories the character kind of takes on a little more than me the character is a little more than just what i put into it right like the character design and the way that they unfold on the screen animation is really where my heart lies as a voice artist and so i'm okay with playing female identifying characters because i feel like i'm just adding an element necessary to create this larger, beautiful work that I couldn't do on my own. But 
my voiceover model, the person who I would like to be like someday, is Tara Strong. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Tara Strong, for those who aren't familiar, does Raven in Teen Titans, Timmy Turner in Fairly Odd Parents, uh, Twilight Sparkle in My Little Pony, and a million bajillion other things. And what I love is that Tara Strong can do both female and male characters. And there is something in my non-binary little heart that wants to play little boys. I really want to play little boys even though my type is little girls. Little girl is like literally my type, both, both on stage and as a voice actor. <laughs> I'm a small bean and I'm a soprano. Um, it, that's my type. And I was taking a voiceover class earlier this year um, and I made a young boy real. I, I, did, uh, I did actually a selection from like a Timmy Turner comic and voiced it. And then I also just wrote some random stuff about a kid who likes Pokemon. And then I, and I, I recorded that. Um, and so I have it in me, but it is not, it's hard. It's hard on my voice. And I don't think realistically that I could probably do like a whole show, like a Timmy Turner role. And that makes me sad. <laughs> I yeah. really, there, I really wish that I could play little girls and little boys. So you're typically so you're typically cast as like young girls as like little girls, um, yeah. and what has that been like for you with your identity? Has uh, you you mentioned that voice acting there's a bit more of a disconnect for you, which makes sense. You know, you're not looking at it and seeing you per se. It's just you added this element on like film or stage where it's literally your face, a um, little less of a disconnect. But has that weighed on you in any sense with, you know, this, this frustration that you've already vocalized about with wanting to play more than just like the little girl? Has there been kind of like any other added stresses on top of being constantly put into that box? A lot of the people, I've been very privileged in that a lot of the people I worked with during my time at CalArts, where I went to college, um, I worked with a lot of animators. I was in over 20 short animated films as a voice actor. Nice. Um, and because CalArts is such a progressive place, a lot of the people who I met were, worked with, they were able to learn my pronouns and respect them. It was really actually really sweet when some of the animators who were international students and English isn't their first language. So like pronouns were like this kind of higher concept that was a little tricky to wrap around. It was so sweet watching them try to get it right. And it meant so much. So the people I work with, like when I'm in the room with the animator, or the director, whoever, if they're respecting, respecting my identity and doing the thing we talked about, like separating, separating my pronouns from my character's pronouns, then I like, I feel okay. And I make, I don't experience voice dysphoria, which some people do. And I know I will never go on T because I actually really like my voice. And that's why I voice act. That's why I voice act. I love my voice. And I think it's really adorable. Um, so because I don't experience voice dysphoria and I'm really good at what I do. I make great little girl voices. I'm, I can also do a, cra a crying infant really well. So if you ever need that. Um... I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> it's like, I need, a, I need a crying infant in scene three. Wear socks. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it's just really satisfying to make those sounds and know that I that I got their vision right. Yeah. So when I'm being respected, I feel good about the work that I'm doing. So it, it just is further with that disconnect of character versus performer, which unfortunately... Yeah, when you're on stage, you're like inhabiting the character with your whole body, like everything from my physical shape to my face to the way that I wear my hair becomes part of the character's decisions. When I'm on stage, you know, like early on in being being out as non-binary, I would like try to figure out whether or not I wanted to wear a chest binder for performances because I was like, the character wouldn't do that because the character is female. So the character wouldn't do that, but I want to do it for my own mental safety and comfort. Right. Um, so there's like a little more of a conflict there and like choosing which parts of yourself to give up uh, to be the character. And I don't experience that when I'm doing voice acting. Which is what I'm really glad that there that there's been this, even though like there's so much binary when it comes to auditioning and agencies and all that, that there's still been this euphoria tied to you being able to perform these roles, having that disconnect and being able to feel good about what you do, uh, even with the struggles that come with being, you know, a, a trans entertainer, a non-binary entertainer. Uh, one of the last questions that I have for you is what other kinds of projects have you written besides the one musical you mentioned earlier? Oh, oh, oh. why, as a matter of fact, I wrote another musical. Say what? Say what? And it was a queer musical. Oh, really? Yes, really. Do tell. (laughs) Um, This project I was actually working on right when the state the stay-at-home orders took effect. Um, I was working on a show. This is the working title, and I am actually seriously open to new title suggestions because I've been meaning to rename this show for a really long time, and I just haven't done it yet. Please help. But it's called Pass, A Coming of Self Musical, and it's about a trans man and his sister and both of their relationships to his past, to his former female, quote-unquote, child self, who was a, a child star on a TV show. Ooh. And so it explores this idea of you've got this young female version of yourself that's recorded forever on TV that people consume and adore. Um, and you're trying, I call it dysphoria of the past self that I invented the term. <laughs> um, basically, like when you look at photos of yourself before you were, you were presenting in the way that you comfortably present now as a, as a trans person looking at that past version of yourself and feeling dysphoria that you were ever perceived as that. And so it's thinking about that. And then also from, from the sister's perspective, it's about the idea that like, she, she is holding on to this, to this little girl that she basically raised. And it's the trans man is just like, this is the version of me. This version right now is the only one that you get. So Take it or leave it. Oh, I like that. Okay, I need this like yesterday. Um, well, as a matter of fact, on my website, SocksWhitmore.com, there's a project page for this show. And you can watch the staged reading that happened in January of this year, um, where not all the songs were written yet. And the music, the accompaniment was actually improvised by my very talented pianist friend, because the 
accompaniments weren't written yet. It was fine. Um, but you can see a very rough version of the show that was recorded. It's about 40 minutes long. And I, I'm hoping for it to land closer to an hour when it's actually all said and done. Well, um, I will definitely put the uh, more more links in the description because uh, I am and, and I love the idea of the dysphoria of the past self. Like I, you know, I've been making YouTube videos since like 2013, 2014, and I I got videos that have like eleven like thousand views, and I go back and watch them, and I hear my voice or I see my face, and I'm like, oh 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 no, why why is this the one that's still getting views? <laughs> this is mm -hmm. uh, uh so man, I am really into this idea. So with that, that was, you said that you were, you put that stage, not stage reading, script reading um, together. It in was Jan a stage reading. It was, um, it was almost memorized. We were so close. We put it together in eight rehearsals in two weeks. So like Dang. the fact that it was almost memorized, I did not expect to happen, but our director really wanted it. So, oh, and also the really cool thing about this project is that I was able to assemble an entirely trans identifying team. Oh, really? All of our designers, our sound designer, lighting designer, costume designer, as well as all of our actors um, and the director. Everyone. Oh, okay. Stage I... manager. It was a good time. Okay, yes. Having I... a bunch of trans people in a room making a show is hilarious. It was a wonderful experience. Okay, now elaborate, please. I need to hear more. That Give me the feel-good serotonin. Well, just like, you know how there's... Have you ever been in a trans meme group? Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> yeah, it's like that, but in real life. It's like that that trans humor where we're like, gender? What gender? Or like, you know, like those really specific senses of humor that come from having, having gone through the experience of figuring out you were trans. Like, just like, even though not all of us knew each other when we started, like I set out looking for people and I met people for this project that I hadn't met before and then we got our we were all in the room for the first time and we just clicked there was just an energy where we all we were all into the same we were all, we would laugh a lot it was actually hard to be focused sometimes because we were just so funny oh yeah that's one of the, the pros and the cons simultaneously of having a team that clicks that well it's like okay we can work <laughs> we can work well together and we're going to have a great time but we need to remember to get things done. <laughs> like, but that, this, this is still the priority here, is to get something done here. <laughs> so in addition to writing musicals, and when I write musicals, I do, do, I do lyrics, music composition. I usually like to co-compose and then book writing. So I do, I'm a triple threat. Um, but then in addition to writing musicals or even plays, I, I have worked on video games. I've worked, I do poetry. I, I do short fiction. Um, I did an audio drama once and there may or may not be a podcast in my future. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, right now I'm playing the lead of a fiction podcast. So that's like already a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I just got, I got the one. Well, um, can I ask about the lead? Yes, this? yes, yes. Um, I am currently playing Georgie Romero of the fiction podcast, Georgie Romero is Done For, a horror comedy podcast by Catwalker Shea. And Georgie is a zombie who huh. woke up as a zombie with no memories of her life as a living human. And so she's on a quest to figure out who she was when she was alive, 
while there's also some antics going on because she's come to this monster village called Wormwood where you've got witches and ghosts and all sorts of other creatures um the boogeyman and then you've also got a descendant a descendant of the Van Helsings who's Ooh. causing some mischief um so Ooh. yeah and I kind of I came on as a voice actor and then I became a co-producer because that's how I roll Hey, uh, so now I'm co-producing it so I'm of course responsible for plugging it <laughs> go listen to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts I am going to go follow it on Spotify right now <laughs> and while I do that uh, so that it's not just empty spaces I finagle my new phone um, <laughs> if you were to give oh, really quick what was the podcast called again Georgie Romero like George Romero it's it's a very obvious pun Georgie Romero is done for okay found it okay so while I get this loaded if you were to meet either like a younger version of yourself at the beginning of your acting journey uh once out as non-binary or someone in a very similar position to you um back when you were still coming out and trying to find your place as a non-binary entertainer what advice would you bestow upon them? This is before coming out, before realizing, or just having... Like, while, while coming out, like, while finding yourself. I don't know. The, the project manager in me kind of just wants to give myself, like, all the pro tips for the future. Just be like, skip all that learning shit. Here's the... Skip all that learning stuff. Here's the... Here's how, here's all the things you're going to need to do. Get the <laughs> like experience. Yeah. Like all the things I had to learn the hard way. Here you go. Easy list. Hand it to you. All um, right. Well then how about just any general advice to uh, non-binary, other non-binary performers, even props, just non-binary voice actors kind of trying to find a sense of comfort in the very binary industry. Yeah. I think the fact that there's a community that you are not the only person. Um, I've I found a lot of comfort in just joining Facebook groups and and connecting with other with other TGNC folks. I think knowing that you're not alone really really helps. Um, and hearing from people who have been doing it longer than you have, and they're like, yeah, it's it's going to be okay. You can make it. Well, thank you. And yeah, and along with Facebook groups, time for me to shamelessly plug. If you are on Facebook and are a entertainer within the LGBT plus community uh, or any any form of entertainment, so you don't have to be on the stage or behind the mic, like producers, uh, writers, whatever. If you are within that industry, the Queer Fest experience does have a Facebook group and the only requirements are for you to be within the LGBTQA plus community and be within the entertainment world. We've got over a hundred people from all over the world, blows my mind, all over the world, uh, who you can meet, befriend, share stories, share memes, whatever. Uh, and it's a fun time. Both Socks and I are in the Facebook group. So if you want to see more of Socks' work, you can join the Facebook group and uh, I will twist their arm to post more of their cool stuff. I'm sure I won't have to twist <laughs> too hard, but I will do it if necessary. Well, uh, if I must. <laughs> oh, but you simply must. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining. And of course, where can these lovely listeners find you online? 
my website has a lot of my cool stuff, so be sure to check out my name.com, Socks Whitmore, spelled like the things in your feet. Um, I'm on Facebook as just a regular human, not a Facebook page yet, and I do have an Instagram that's just at my name, Socks Whitmore wasn't taken, which was cool. That's easy um, to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Facebook is where you'll find most of my stuff, uh, what I'm currently doing. I'm working on the Instagram bit. Instagram's a uh, a tricky beast to master. It's taken me a very long time. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me today, Socks. Be sure to check out all of their cool stuff. If you're listening on YouTube, I will put all of the links in the description below. On the promo posts on Instagram and Twitter, uh, I will have tagged them so you can find them through those. And also, if you're listening to this on Spotify, Google Podcasts, what have you, you can find their handles in the description. And with that being said, you can listen to the Queer Thesperience on more places than before. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts. We are now all slowly spreading to wherever you get your podcast uh, hookupage we'll call it. That was weird. Uh, and YouTube, because I confidently know how to use YouTube. So we're also on there. You can find us on Twitter at Thesperience, which is a play off of Thespian and Experience. And we're also on Instagram as the Queer Thesperience. So that's pretty easy to connect the two. If you would like to be promoted on our Instagram page, please post a picture of yourself doing whatever it is you love to do and use the hashtag the queer, uh, my queer experience, all one word. And yeah, that's about it for my plugage. Be sure to tune in because we are going to have a part two to this one where we have yet another lovely, amazing non-binary actor coming in to talk about their experiences with casting and auditioning and other sorts of projects that they do. And so thank you for listening. Remember, all the world's a stage, so give them one hell of a show. My name has been Casper Oliver with Socks Whitmore, and we are tuning out. So bye-bye. Bye.